Hey, historic, iconic Jeep just went up for sale. We'll also hear from you, our listeners, and we have the top seven ways of how to get out and find wheeling destinations for new Jeepers. All that and a whole lot more on this week's Jeep Talk Show. Share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, official sponsor of Jeep's Go Topless Day. Stay tuned for later in this episode to hear about Joe Dick's Wrangler Buyer's Guide video. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you're joining us again, well, welcome back. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show's for you. Find out more information about the show at the JeepTalkShow.com website. I'm Tony, and I recently received a prescription. The pills were so big, I had to check the container to make sure they weren't suppositories. <gasps> hey, I'm Josh, and I'm one year older now. Hooray! Hey, I'm Tammy, and my Jeep finally has a name. Oh, boy. And howdy, it's Wendy and snow, snow, go away. Still, you still have snow and <laughs> beautiful big... What elevation are you at? Well, she's, that's not, it's a valley, so... Well, we're at 6,800, but, you know, oh, we got okay. about six to eight inches the other day. It's like, come on, seriously? Oh, sign me up. Yeah. I am over it. <laughs> Making my wife jealous. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. You know, I'm always giving Tony a load of grief for his, sometimes, decades-old references he makes here on the show. I love Dropping it. A- Dropping a name or a title or something from 20, 30, or even 40 years ago or more. So I may get a dose of my own medicine here for picking this particular story for This Week in Jeep. To a gross percentage of you, the name Roy Rogers probably conjures a mental image of a Coke with grenadine and a cherry on top. Although the drink has led a life of infamy since its invention in the 1940s, the namesake TV show was only around for about six years. The Roy Rogers Show was an American Western TV series that broadcast 100 episodes on NBC for six seasons between December 30, 1951 and June 9, 1957. For those who remember watching the show, you may also remember the iconic Jeep that was in many of the episodes. To many, it was one of the most memorable characters on the Roy Rogers TV show. It was a TV icon manufactured from good old American steel and named Nellie Bell. The Jeep is a 1946 Willie CJ2A with some very innovative bodywork. What made this Jeep unique was not its stubborn nature to refuse to get up and go, but its body panels that wrapped around the passenger compartment to shoulder level, making it an instantly recognizable vehicle. It was, in fact, owned by Roy Rogers, but was driven by the, on the show by his comic sidekick, Pat Brady. On TV, Pat Brady drove around Mineral City, the setting of the series, sweet-talking to Nellie Bell as his verbal compliments would convince the temperamental Jeep to get up and go. The name, which was painted on her doors in most episodes, apparently developed out of Pat riding on an ornery mule in the earlier movies and addressing it with phrases like, Whoa, Nelly! Roy Rogers chose to include a Jeep into the program because he noticed that after World War II, Jeeps were very popular, especially with children. 
Roy, uh, Rogers found himself uh, himself owned a Jeep, which he used for hunting, off-road cruising, and travel to and from his studio. Roy Rogers was one of the most popular actors of his era, known as the King of Cowboys. He passed away in 1998 at the age of 87. Today, a replica of the Nellie Bell Jeep is up for sale on eBay. According to the seller, Nellie Bell 2 was built as a promotional vehicle for the program, but it is identical in every way to the one that appeared on screen. Jeeps were featured at the Roy Rogers and Dale Evans Museum in Branson, Missouri until it closed in 2010. The original was auctioned soon after for more than $116,000, but sold again in 2018 for just $38,000, according to Haggerty. Nellie Bell, is, Nellie Bell 2 rather, is currently in Arizona and listed in running condition with 43,500 miles on the odometer and a buy-it-now price of just over $29,000. If you're interested, and if it's still available, the link will be in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, and big shout-out to listener Brandon for the topic submission on this, letting us know about this that popped up. Had to do a little bit more research, but ended up being a great story. Thanks, Brandon. So uh, I can't help but wonder, you know, we're always looking to get uh, celebrities on here that have Jeeps. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get anybody on that's a, uh, you know, actual off-roader. Well, I don't think we're going to be getting Roy Rogers. And I was just going to say, is there, is there <laughs> a way? I thought that's why he was going with it. Yeah. Is there well, a way we could get passed. Roy? Hey, Roy, uh, I mean, uh, does anybody know a medium or maybe an extra large? Oh. <laughs> Now, Tony, I was expecting Wendy, you to, uh, Wendy is to, shocked. to have fond <laughs> yes. memories Speechless of was show. more like it. <laughs> Wendy's new here. She's shocked. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you're lucky you don't have video on me because you would have saw my eyes rolling. <laughs> well, I that was me hear too them going, rolling. Uh, what? <laughs> click, click, click. So this next one, we're just going to file uh, under the uh, here, hold my bear category. Now, you may have seen pics uh, make their way across social media of this, and if you've seen the pic, you've undoubtedly asked, how did he make it across the street? A young man is recovering in the hospital from injuries he suffered after driving his Jeep off the top of a six-level parking garage in Santa Monica. The man drove off the top level of the parking structure on 2nd Street near Colorado Avenue shortly after midnight, according to the Santa Monica Police Department. Officers arrived to, send, uh, to find his Jeep smashed, but upright and up against a McDonald's restaurant a across the street. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never craved Mickey D's so much that I would jump my Jeep from six stories up to get to the drive-thru across the street. Now, two passengers inside the Jeep had the wherewithal and the mind sense to uh, get out of the Jeep before it went off the roof. Santa Monica Fire Department said these, uh, these two passengers were very lucky. The driver, however, a 20-year-old man from 29 Palms, was actually conscious and still speaking with officers when they arrived, police said. Firefighters extricated him from the wreckage and took him to a local trauma center where he was listed in critical condition. Yeah, no surprise there. Police are still investigating what caused the crash. Because the man was receiving medical treatment, investigators were not able to determine whether drugs or alcohol played a role. At the top of the parking garage, the Jeep and McDonald's all sustained significant damage, the fire department said, and a representative from Santa Monica Building and Safety had to be called in to the scene to assess this, uh, the garage's structural integrity because the damage was that severe. Now, whatever the reason, the Jeeper decided that it might be a good idea to try and jump his Jeep like they do in Dukes of Hazard. I don't care where you are, it's just a bad idea. <laughs> Most Jeeps aren't meant to be jumped without a significant amount of reinforcement and weight distribu redistribution. And even then, you got to have all the angles just right. What you see the dune buggies do and what they show on TV doesn't really depict what it's like in real life. So, if jumping your Wrangler is on your to-do list... 
Well, maybe think about buying a junker to try it out on first. And for God's sakes, don't do it off the top level of a parking garage. And if nothing else, be sure you have the right safety equipment so you don't crush your spine. And be sure to post a video with hashtag Jeep Talk Show. Exactly. I mean, lots of Jeep Talk Show stickers, please. Yeah, lots of them. Oh, my gosh. So, can you know, imagine I, that guy at the top of the garage? No, no, no. Really, I can do it. I can get over there. Just watch. Just watch. Yeah. You guys, hold on. Hold on. No, I've, I've got yeah. a Jeep. We've got this. Isn't this the one? I, th- I think I read that the passengers uh, bailed out before he before he launched. That like yeah, at the no, last they, minute, they, you know, um, what do you call it, uh, a shoulder roll, that, that shoulder roll that you're always talking about? Fucking roll! Fucking roll! <laughs> yeah, no, there were uh, some witnesses that said the two people had jumped out just, I mean, feet before yeah. the vehicle went over the edge. So, I mean, yeah, extremely lucky. I, I, again, I would love to get an interview with any one of these people uh, to find out exactly what the conversation was. You think yeah. I can make it? No, you can't make it. I bet you I can make it. I'll bet you fifty dollars. You don't even try. <laughs> like okay, so here we go. <laughs> so Josh, you know you'll be able to relate to this as the person on the other end of this. I can see the guy holding the uh, the iPhone, going, "Damn it! I hit forgot to hit record. Can we do it over?" <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, wrap it on. Let's do this again. Let me. I'm going to turn the phone sideways this time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, it's, uh, I, I, no thoughts go out to the person, I, whether or not they were having a mental issue or whether it's alcohol or drugs were involved. I mean, regardless, nobody likes to see anybody get hurt, especially another Absolutely. cheaper. So uh, hopefully they're doing all right. If it, and, if, uh, it's fine with me if it's for a good story. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, how good of a story can there be? The McRib is back. We gotta that. go. <laughs> yeah. Those, those French fries. Good Lord. They just smelled so great. <laughs> This is the danger of that marijuana you kids the kids smoke. It makes you do things like this. Dangerous of munchies. Good Lord. <laughs> well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And if you haven't been over to the 4x4 Radio Network website in a while, well, it's time to head back there. We've got a ton of great shows there. We have On the Trail Podcast, Trail Chasers, Center Steer Podcast. The 4x4 Podcast is there. We're there, too. It's all free. It's all in one place. You don't even have to sign up for nothing. It's just go there and listen to what you want to listen to. If you like off-road podcasts, that's the place to go. It's the 4x4radionetwork.com. All one word. Type it in. We'll see you there. By the way, Josh, I uh, contacted Dan Cole over to the 4x4 uh, podcast uh, today, I think it was. Don't tell me he's retiring. And uh, I sent him a, uh, I said, uh, you know, I, I think you may want to know about this. And I told him about the uh, the, the uh, 97 through 2001 uh, dash bezel, double-din dash bezel that we reported on last week. Oh, yeah. He's right. like, you could almost hear the, the sky parting, the angels singing as he was... <laughs> As you he was reading about him this, pulling his wallet out, he really. <laughs> <laughs> we got a we got a uh, a message on uh, Twitter. Uh, Jeep Talk Show got a message on Twitter from Nikki G saying, uh, "What kind of witchcraft is this?" When I posted <laughs> on there, now Nikki G doesn't have a ninety seven plus. I don't think Dan. I think has a ninety nine uh, Jeep Cherokee. So he was very interested in uh, in yeah. uh, hearing about it. So uh, anyway, there uh, and of course he goes over there immediately and they're sold out. So. Of course. Uh, the These bezels are apparently in hot supply because they... Uh, well, uh, they are now after we debuted them on the uh, Jeep ex- Talk Show. That's what I was exactly. thinking. Yeah, that's what I was exactly. thinking. So anyway, it was really cool. And uh, it, it really is the holy grail for uh, uh, oh. Jeep Cherokee owners. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. 
One man. It's with this guy. Who is he? One mission. Who are we talking about? Who is this guy? Who are you? One model of Jeep. What is this? The Wrangler. Who are you? Calling Bill. It's Wrangler Talk with Bill. Hello, GTS listener, and welcome to this week's Wrangler Talk. So on this week's Wrangler Talk, we're going to be covering a question that I got from one of our listeners over this past week. And the question is, what are my thoughts about a Dana 35 axle? So the question is kind of iffy for me. So the gentleman that asked this question is followed the question itself by he was going to be running a max tire size of 31 inches with a simple true track locker. So as you know, I currently run a Dana 30 built heavily with 37 inch tires. And when I say heavily built, I'm saying it's sleeved, trussed, chromoly axles, uh, It has forged wheel bearings. Like This thing is literally pretty much bomb-proof. It is a Dana 44, uh, soup to nuts all the way through. Chromoly gears, chromoly axles, the whole nine. So, you know, if you're going to build a axle itself, that is kind of one of the ways to go. However, you know, a simple stock Dana 35 axle or as I have heard before, a Deborah 35 axle, um, you know, it, it, it has its place for a stock Jeep. However, if you're going to be building a Dana 35 axle, I can say that, you know, there are a lot of parts out there and there is some support that would help you build a Dana 35 to hold, you know, 31 inch tires, even a 33 inch tire with a locker. Absolutely. You can do it. Although there are some specs, you know, um, in the automotive world itself that kind of deters you from doing that. So you may know that a Dana 44 is basically the older brother of the Dana 35 or vice versa. The Dana 35 is the little brother of the Dana 44. And, you know, a Dana 44 is a midline axle that basically everyone runs on their Jeep with no issues whatsoever. You can fit a 37-inch tire on a Dana 44, no problem, and you pretty much wouldn't run into too many issues unless you're doing some serious off-road, you know, rock crawling kind of things. However, there are some cons to a Dana 35 axle. So, what are those cons? I'm going to be covering them briefly. So the difference between a Dana 35 axle and a Dana 44 axle is, you know, the main difference is the actual ring gear. So the ring gear is the gear that runs on your differential that is driven by your pinion gear. So when we're talking about a ring gear, the difference in the Dana 44 and the Dana 35 is that On a Dana 35 axle, the ring gear measures at 7.62 inches compared to the Dana 44 axle, which measures at 8.5 inches. And this actually means a lot in the automotive world. When it comes to the ring gear itself, this means that there 
are going to be a different number of teeth on the ring gear itself. And the thickness of the gear tooth will change too. So if we have a thicker tooth size, it means it's going to be able to, you know, there's more meat on the tooth itself. So it's going to be able to withstand more abuse when we're off-road importing, putting a lot of torque to that ring gear itself from the pinion. And also vice versa. So if we have a thicker ring gear, that means it's going to have a thicker pinion gear itself. So that means overall, everything in the system itself will be able to take more abuse in the off-road conditions. Secondly, when comparing the Dana 35 to the Dana 44, there is a difference in the spline count, which splines are the grooves on the axle that actually interact with the differential carrier. So previously, I talked about how the splines interact with our spider gears, and this kind of means how the actual axle shaft slides into the inner diameter of the spider gear itself. So spline count is a big deal. Basically, as we go up in um, axle sizes, the spline count's going to increase as well. So for example, on a Dana 60, we've seen 35 spline count, we've seen 40 spline count, you know, I've seen a lot of different spline counts out there. And also, as we get smaller in the the axle world, a Dana 30 has like a 24 spline count. So it means that it's not going to be as strong. And, you know, when we're talking about axle shafts, we want them to be as strong as possible. So on a Dana 35, it has a spline count of 27. And then on a Dana 44, the spline count is 30, which can translate to a huge difference in the amount of torque that the axle shaft can absorb and continue spinning that wheel in an off-road condition. Next is the axle tube diameter. It differs a lot from the axle from the Dana 35 to a Dana 44. So Dana 35 has a tube diameter of 2.6 inches where the Dana 44 measures in at three and a half inches, which can translate to a large, you know, amount of abuse that it can take in the off-road condition. You know, if you hit that rock straight on the axle tube, you know, as you get to a larger tube diameter, it takes more force to bend that tube itself. So if you have a three and a half inch versus a 2.6 inch, you can say that the three and a half inch is going to take more abuse when you're hitting that rock or something of the sort. Now, finally, it comes down to the axle shaft itself. A Dana 35 measures in at an inch and an eighth thick. And then the Dana 44 measures in at almost just under an inch and three eighths thick. So when we're talking about the amount of torsional shear force that an axle shaft can withstand, basically we're just adding more meat to the entire equation. So if we have a thicker shaft itself, you know, you have two axle shafts made of the same material. Basically, if you have more material there obviously it's going to withstand more force so 
there are a lot of different factors to consider when you're wheeling with different types of axles out there. Now, we all can't go out and build or afford a Dana 60 front and rear. You know, one tons are the goal for a lot of Jeepers out there. And, you know, if you're trying to build a budget build, um, I can say a Dana 35 will work for the application that is being presented to me. Now, if you came to me and said, hey, um, I have a Dana 35 and I want to throw a 37s on it, I'd be like, wow, come on. That's not going to work whatsoever. Even though I built a Dana 30 to hold 37s. Yeah, let's not talk about that. But still, I'm literally driving down the road with a grenade. Let's not talk about it. Um, If you're looking into building an axle and you are you have a 35 in front of you and that's all you can really afford with some modifications to the axle itself you know you want to throw a truss on it you want to throw some better axle shafts you want to put a gear a locker in it and some better gears by all means and you're only going to run a 31 inch tire by all means absolutely do it you know it's a great experience it's going to teach you a lot and in the future, when you can save up to eventually afford those one tons or something of the sort, yeah, you're going to be able to do it. And you're going to have that knowledge to do all of that you know, work you need to do to that larger axle. So it's a tough question. Obviously, a Dana 44 is stronger than a Dana 35. Even I do run a Chrysler 825 on my Cherokee, which is another great axle. It's a 29 spline count axle, which is basically the same as a Dana 44. So really, what do you have available to you? What can you afford? Um, I can't really... It's tough. A Dana 35 will work for your application currently. And thank you for the question. By all means, um, I would look into trying to get a Dana 44. You might thank me in the long run because of, let's see, you're going to be out there in the woods skinny pedaling it somewhere and you're not going to realize it. And all of a sudden, snap goes something. Yeah, it's not fun. I have not been there yet, but I'm going to try to avoid that situation. So, yes, Dana 35 could work. Should it? I don't know. It's it's a tough call. But if you have the opportunity to come across a Dana 44, by all means, get it, put it in your Jeep Wrangler, and it will save you a lot of work and time in the long run. So thank you for listening to this week's Wrangler Talk. And remember, do you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the show? Head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and we would be happy to answer any questions or comments you have about the show itself. And just remember, I'm always here. Say hi, throw, shoot me a question, and talk to you next week on the Wrangler Talk. I gotta say, uh, if you've got a Dana 35 and you're doing anything with it besides on the street, you're taking your life and the, the full city block around you uh, risk because that thing will blow at any given moment and uh, take out the uh, the entire city block. Who did we know, Tony, um, that that rocked 35s on a Dana 35 for like 
14 years without a problem. It was somebody who who we knew uh, who was, uh, I think, a regular interaction with the show. I don't think he was on 35s. I think he was just on 33s. Was it there? I thought he was on. But, I but swear he was on thirty. But he's locked. But, I think he had it locked. Yeah, up, but, and locked. Yeah, too. but it yeah. may have been thirty fives. <laughs> and, and it's very true. It's like it's like everybody says the thirty five uh, Dana thirty five is not that bad if you uh, be, if you're careful and you know control your skinny pedal and think about what you're doing. But it's still fun to talk about. You know the Dana oh, thirty five sure. exploding. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but uh, just that, like that, the O three. Uh, that would that of course would be Steve four point three LXJ that uh, you I, were referencing. I was thinking I was thinking that, but I didn't want to like call him out and be just like, no, I've been rocking a Chrysler eight and a quarter for fifteen years. What are you he's, talking? He's about? got no. one as a backup, so he knows. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are those people out there. Um, there are the occasional unicorn Dana thirty five, but uh, you know that 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 for some reason by every unconventional means has been able to hold up to severe wheeling and stuff. But no, for it is the, you know, the general rule that the Dana 35 is the, by far the weakest rear axle that, uh, that, that is under any Jeep. Well, I had it on my Sahara and mine did really good with my extreme wheeling at the time. Uh, was this was, of course, before you got the uh, the Rubicon, and I think your right, right. <laughs> level yeah. of extreme wheeling was uh, gravel roads at the time. No, I, I right. have no idea, actually, exactly. Tammy. I, if I'm, yeah. I was remembering correctly, you did get that thing off-road a few times, but and it very quickly discovered oh, it just, uh, that it just wasn't enough for you, and, and, and that's what the, it caused oh, exactly. the uh, the upgrade to the Rubicon. Yeah, exactly. hitting the uh, running over the uh, crossing guards at school, picking up your kids. Oh, uh, hardly, oh, right. uh, hardly <laughs> rates as a uh, damage to a Dana thirty five. <laughs> Good stuff from Bill, though. There, thanks, Bill. Coming up in tech talk, the sleeve or to trust? I thought you did. Uh, you could do both, or you should do both. Uh, that is the question. We'll be covering the two biggest choices when it comes to beefing up your front axle. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. So I'll just put Tammy's segment here uh, in post. Oh, is that you, Tammy? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) Give me a second. I know I'm supposed to start when the music's still gone, but I always forget. So what is Jeep life to me? And if I had to sum it up in two words, it would be living simple. Uh, Back in 2013, when I bought my first Jeep, uh, as most of you know, I was going through a life change. I was a stay-at-home mom, and my kids didn't need my attention as much. And when I first became a mom, I gave 159% to my attention to my kids. I neglected myself, which was a huge mistake. I can't go back and change that, so I'm learning from my mistake now not to neglect my needs. So as they grew older, I found myself struggling to find myself again. What did I like? Who was I and what was my passion? And as I began this self-reflection, I discovered a long-lost love of mine, my passion from when I was a kid, which was writing photography in the outdoors. And then with the purchase of my Jeep, I discovered a new passion for off-roading and overlanding and camping. And, and during this self-reflection, I discovered the joy of living simply. Living simple also became a way to live stress-free for me to free up the time to do things I enjoyed, which was everything Jeep. 
So while I was on my adventure last fall, I realized how easy it is to live even more simply than I had been. And now I'm living truly simply. I live in a six foot by 10 foot sliding camper. I left most of my possessions back in Maryland so my kids can maintain the home they grew up in. And I actually don't miss the house. I miss my kids, but not all that stuff. I have one pot, one pan, two towels, two sheets, one comforter, my clothes, four plates, four sets of silverware. And you know, I don't have the chores I used to have. And I'm learning I can live with less and still enjoy life. Now, don't get me wrong, there are still struggles, like getting up at three in the morning and running outside to the bathroom, fearing for my life that a mountain lion's going to attack me. Um, But I'm realizing I... It has nothing to do with needing stuff. This struggle has nothing to do with needing stuff. So in my opinion, I just believe our society is so obsessed with stuff. We have to make more money to buy more stuff. And then we have to go to work to make more money to buy more stuff. And it's just a vicious circle. And even all the Jeep stuff we buy. Um, I started getting rid of not just my personal stuff, but some of my Jeep stuff. Do I really need ruby rails and rock sliders? Do I really need these shelves I have over my fenders when I have nothing to put on them? And I'm really conscious of the money I have and spending it on stuff that I really don't need. And when I want to spend the time enjoying my Jeep and even with the little stuff I brought with me, I'm still reducing my stuff. So to me, Jeep life means enjoying my time with my Jeep, not buying stuff for my Jeep and doing the things I love and experiencing life, not living in a box, driving a box to go to work, to work in a box so I can buy boxes and stuff. I found that meeting people, other Jeep people, other overlanders and experiencing life and living simple is the Jeep life. That's what it means to me. So I would love for you guys to call in and tell us what the Jeep life means to you. And you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contacts and get all the information. You can email us or call us. We'd love to hear from you. So Tammy, uh, the uh, not needing stuff, not needing so much stuff uh, you're just a communist, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not. That's not the American way, young lady. The Americans are supposed to buy profusely. I know, I know. <laughs> we are living in an age of excess. That has uh, never been more true than it is today. Yes, it is. And, and, and I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, Tammy, that your Jeep is a box. So you were driving uh, in a box yes. to work. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm still driving in that box. Uh, By the way, in case you're wondering what my Jeep's name is, um, you know, they say 50% of the people say that you should name your own Jeep. And then the other 50% say your Jeep should be named by your community of friends, Jeep friends. Yeah, it's kind well, of like a call sign. You know, when you're in the military, yeah, you don't get yeah. to pick your own call sign. Right. You know, you're, that, that is something that is given to you by your squad mates, stuff like that. So, 
Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of on the other side of that where you don't get to you don't get to pick your own Jeep's name. But that being said, Tammy, I, I am dying to know what your what your me, uh, Jeep's name is. Let me see if I can guess it because I was really surprised if you went this way and I oh, and I oh, I applaud oh, wait, you. Wait, 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 <laughs> grimace. It's no, no, grimace. no, no. You, it's a different conversation. No, okay. <laughs> a little off off the mic conversation. So, um, if you went this direction, I'm very proud of you because you're letting go of your inhibitions. Is it sexy toes? No, actually, you know that's kind of funny <laughs> because you well, remember time, you remember that conversation, right, Josh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one that's one time, borderline I inappropriate. A oh, there's nothing I, nothing borderline about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> one Sorry, time, Tammy. I posted a picture. I posted a picture of my new purple toes. And I had all these foot fetish people. Yeah, that like, was probably toes. one of the no. biggest mistakes of your <laughs> <Yes>. life. <laughs> like, oh my god! And and I I would not go with two hundred dollar uh, underwear. That would uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you two hundred dollars for that in underwear. <laughs> exactly, oh, dear. Wendy, you've so, missed you missed out on a lot of uh, after show conversations. Yeah, yeah. I think you were out trying to get more listeners or something. Like, <laughs> right? Let's get the foot fetish people in here. Yeah, and the the dirty underwear that was really gross. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, dirty so, underwear, uh, perfect. I'm jeepers. I'm, I'm they betting come in dir- all kinds. I'm <laughs> betting dirty underwear. <laughs> no, no. So we Neil ought to wait till next week. This is actually Jeep. a great. This would actually be a great thing for people <laughs> to call in and let oh, us know God. what the, is the Tammy's. Name. Yeah, what is Tammy's Jeep name? No, Tammy? we should. Oh. We should. I'm. I'm going to call the ball right now. Yeah. Tammy. I'm <laughs> okay. sorry. We have to put this yeah. off for a week. Absolutely. It's just <laughs> too good. Like- it's just too good because I know that. People out there like Dusty L. Dunn has got a name on just on reserve right now that is just going to blow everybody's mind hang away. On, hang so on. I, I that really, sick yeah. and twisted bastard. You have to always say Dusty L. Dunn, that sick and twisted bastard. Sorry, okay. I forgot. I forgot he has an official title. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. No, people like that. We've got a ton of listeners out there with just the most Im- in crazy imaginations out there. So this is just way too good of an opportunity for us not to take advantage of. If you have a name, if you you let let us know what, what you think guess? Tammy yeah. has named her Jeep or what what the name that Tammy's Jeep has garnered so far. What is it? Is is it Grimace after the purple monster from the old McDonald's commercials? <laughs> you know, is it Barney? <laughs> you know, what was it going to be? Uh, is it purple related? Is it completely you know unrelated to that? You know, find out next week. In the meantime. Please submit what you think Tammy's uh, Jeep's name is over on our Facebook page, or by all means, call into the show to our voicemail line and let us know by voicemail. This is going to be too much fun. We're going to have to wait till next week till we find out what the actual name is. But in the meantime, please play along. So, Tammy, is there a possibility that if somebody comes up with a better name than what you've already come up with, you may go with that name? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I could. I, I just oh, made that's <laughs> tempting then. No <laughs> holds barred, people. Name, this name could have two different meanings. So oh, just, yeah. there is a hint. <laughs> teaser, teaser alert. Uh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so how does my Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for your Jeep stories. Contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out. Hey, are you a Jeeper who takes their top off? If so, find out where the best place to go topless is with Mitch and in Jeep weather coming up a little bit later in the show. 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now, and I figured I'd like, time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little Hey guys, Supercroc here again. So, this time, I have a challenge for you. Now, no, this isn't one of those Instagram or Facebooking challenges that most likely could kill you. Although, I mean, it might be dangerous. Who knows? Especially with the way some people drive. But... That's another story. No, this challenge is the use what you have in your vehicle for repairs challenge. So the premise is, is get yourself a repair that you need. Uh, so like in my case, it's changing the freaking alternator, which actually isn't as bad of a job as some people say, especially if you pull the battery so you can get it up from the top there, you know, and have a little bit of a lift, but but only use the tools that you typically carry in your car. Now, for me, I found that I have a Craftsman blow-molded set that's it's decent, but the big thing that it didn't have, or not enough have of, is deep well sockets. So I just barely got by, but I know I'll have to add more deep wells. So, and find out, oh, I have nothing to cut a wire with or whatever. So, yeah, you guys have a great day. Bye. So I don't know if you guys have ever uh, witnessed a person doing a reboot. You know, they, they literally, their brain is rebooting. I think this is what happened to uh, Super Croc during this call because there was literally 30 seconds where he had nothing to say. <laughs> it was a 30-second gap in the voicemail and that I had to cut out. And I, and I think that was a personal reboot he was going through, and he's not unaware of it. So he just, at the end, he goes, oh, that's it. See you later. <laughs> As one of those commercials came on TV, are you a victim of mesothelioma? Or, you know, <laughs> Oh, my, my eldest daughter, when she was like three years old, she'd be running around the uh, the living room, and if uh, the Mattress Giant commercial came on, they had this very uh, distinctive uh, uh, theme song, and uh, Mattress Giant the commercial would come on. It wouldn't matter how fast she was going or what she was doing. You know, it was like, bing, bing, and then stop and watch and listen to the music. It was, it was hilarious. Every <laughs> time. It was just so funny. Uh, so we were experiencing a uh, 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 super croc there having a Pavlovian response to the doorbell <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't know. Hey, when it comes to upgrading the headlights on your Jeep, there are literally hundreds of options out there. Your stock halogens might be fine and dandy when new, but over time, their output will weaken, which will lead to unsafe driving conditions at night. I've seen it all too many times. The Jeep behind me, you can barely even see the headlights 
So how can they see you? To educate those looking to upgrade their Wrangler headlights, Extreme Terrain's Joe Dick recently published his Jeep Wrangler Headlights Buyer Guide video. In the video, he installs and reviews several headlight upgrade options, weighing their pros and cons while demonstrating their light beam and color temperature output in the controlled environment of Extreme Terrain's video studios. Check it out and give it a, give it a view today by clicking in the link on Jeep Talk Show's show notes for episode 427. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, like Tony said earlier in the show, to sleeve or to truss? That is the question. In fact, the question of how do I make my axle stronger without breaking the bank is the one that gets asked quite a bit in the Jeep world. And for good reason, too. Strengthening your axle can improve your Jeep's capabilities, making it stronger, able to run larger tires, and giving you a little more confidence in, while in precarious positions. We'd all love to be rocking Dana 60s front and rear, but most of us don't have the budget, let alone fabrication skills, to get axles like that under our Jeeps. So, what's the next best option? While making what you have as strong as possible, of course, a lot of what you do to increase your axle strength comes down to two main factors. How hard do you wheel and what's your budget? If you're running 35s or even 37s, but you don't ever wheel hard, then your choices may be different than somebody who is only on 33s but wheels the snot out of their Jeep in deep rocks all the time. Obviously, the needs of these two individuals are completely different enough to warrant different approaches to beefing up the front axle. A Jeep's front axle is relatively strong by itself and does well for what most Jeeps will encounter while engaging in moderate off-roading. Once we get into larger tires, more extreme off-roading or rock crawling, the forces on the axle exceed what the engineers had intended it to see. So, which is better, sleeving or trussing? Actually, they do two different things and that's where a lot of people get confused. There are many reasons an axle shaft will break, but excessive radial torque and hyperflexion are the two main causes. Too much torque from the engine on an axle shaft connected to a wheel and tire that are completely bound up will oftentimes result in a broken U-joint or shaft. Hyperflexion comes when the axle tube bends or deflects more than the shaft can resist and BAM! Broken shaft. The best thing to guard against radial torque is to strengthen your shafts through cryogenic treatment or by swapping them out for chromoly shafts. But we're here to address all that flex in the axle housing. And there's more going on there than what you realize. Axle sleeves are basically precision tubes of steel with specific measurements to precisely fit inside the axle tubes of your Jeep. This is a nice upgrade. They usually have such a tight fit that they need to be pounded in by a hammer. Oftentimes, these tubes require you to drill holes in, in, into and through your existing axle tubes to weld them in place, further increasing their added strength. However, sleeves are only good for about a 20% reduction in overall axle tube flex. What they do do a great job of is almost completely eliminating the possibility of a crushed axle tube. It can happen. Come down too hard on a rock just right in the wrong spot and all kinds of bad things can happen with that much of the Jeep's weight coming down on one area. Sleeves also keep the center of gravity low on your Jeep by adding unsprung weight way down low, further preventing your chances of a rollover by a few percentage points. Sleeve kits are relatively cheap too, with price points starting around 100 bucks. Trusses, however, are where the serious strength comes in. When, where sleeves are an internal reinforcement, an axle truss is an external reinforcement for the axle housing. Trusses are almost always, well, will almost always require welding to be installed right. And in fact, I don't even know of a bolt-on axle truss. And even if there was one, eh, 
I wouldn't run that to save my life. Honestly, for the money, you just can't beat the added strength of a truss. Providing anywhere from 100 to over 300% in added strength, an axle truss kit can run anywhere from about 100 bucks to over $300 in some cases. Some truss kits are only a couple pieces of bent steel specifically designed for specific axles. Others are a little more universal, and still others may be 20 or 30 pieces that all fit together like some sort of a twisted jigsaw puzzle. Regardless of the truss, it's going to be needing to be welded in by a professional, or at least by somebody who knows what they're doing. You're putting two different kinds of metal together, cast and forged, and the temperatures required to do this right without bending the crap out of your axle take a skill set many don't have. So the good thing is, is that if, you're, if it's done right, you get unparalleled strength out of your axle for a fraction of the price of a full axle swap. And did I mention that sleeving or trussing can be done to either or both of your Jeep's axles? That's right. Many companies offer both front and rear truss kits to give that matched look. There is one other area that many people neglect when it comes to strengthening your front axle, and that's the C's. Remember last week when I said, is there an option C? Now, that's what I'm talking about. The C's of, an, uh, of a front axle are the ends of the axle tube where it flanges out to a large C shape. This is where the ball joints get installed and what the knuckles mount to. The C's will flex just as much as the entire axle tube itself, and it's, common, it's a common weak point for most Dana 30 and Dana 44 front axles. The good news is, is that a small piece of steel called a gusset can be welded in across the open part of, a, uh, of the C's, dramatically increasing their strength and resilient, resilience to flex. So, how many pieces do you think you have to, how many places rather, do you think you have to go to to get all this stuff? Well, there's more good news here. This is an area of the aftermarket with a lot of demand, so there are several reputable companies uh, to, get, to have what you need out there. Obviously, the builder sites like Rough Stuff and Ballistic Fabrication will have the bare essentials, but companies like Extreme Terrain, Quadratech, Four Wheel Parts, and others have put together kits that offer things like sleeves and gussets all in one package. Synergy Manufacturing, in fact, has what they call, what they affectionately call, their Front Axle Assurance Kit, which comes with axle sleeves, inner C gussets, and even lower control arm skid plates, too. As far as other places to source things like trusses, just hop online and start searching. You may get a little overwhelmed at first, because there is a lot out there, and some of them can get uh, pretty intricate. But we can always help guide you here at the Jeep Talk Show. And of course, some of the big players in the in, in the axle truss world are are common names that you may have heard around the uh, the forums and the rest of the Jeep world, like Artec Industries, JCR Off Road, TNT Customs, Rough Country, Rusties. And in the end, you need to go with what's going to fit your budget, your build, and your wheeling style. More importantly, there's never anything wrong with overbuilding your Jeep, but there's no sense in going broke if doing it. No, no sense in going broke doing it if you can do it with similar results in other ways. I hope this helps. If you end up uh, beefing up one or both of your axles using any of these methods, be sure to let us know what you've done and what you think about it. So, do you really think doing this way would be cheaper than like getting a sixty or a one ton? Absolutely. There's so many other things that go into that. I mean, because that axle alone is going to have to be re-geared uh, if you are not matching it with another one. Um, and if you are, I mean, you're basically just doubling the price of everything. So let's say you find a Dana 60 out of a junkyard. It's probably going to cost you several hundred dollars just for the housing itself. That housing is going to need to be modified. It's going to need to have new spring perches uh, put on it, uh, new uh, mounts for your shocks. Uh, and of course, we haven't even addressed the axle, um, you know, whether or not the wheels that you have are going to fit with the uh, the uh, the lug pattern that is with those axle shafts. Right. So you may you may have to get into different wheels. There's so many considerations 
um, as to, you know, putting something like a Dana 60 under your Jeep that, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. There's so many other things from, you know, just uh, the lug pattern to uh, traction devices to re-gearing to just the the mounting kit that you're going to need to weld onto that thing and all the labor that goes into that, to stripping it off, to putting the new stuff back on, and whether or not you even want to shave the pumpkin and weld that up for, you know, greater clearance. That is a common right. modification to, to Dana 60s. Uh, is to trimming up the bottom of them to get them a little bit more clearance on the actual differential right. housing itself. These are next level modifications, people. And if you're not set up for that, if you haven't done your homework, you can find out that, well, getting into this is going to cost you a lot more than what you had initially thought. Whereas beefing up your what you have with stuff that's in the aftermarket that is tried, proven, and and trusted by many hundreds of Jeepers out there, well, it just seems like a no-brainer to me. So on the Dana 60, that's a uh, full width axle. And uh, do you uh, have to get into the whole thing of uh, trimming it down and getting uh, custom uh, axles uh, made for that uh, trimmed, uh, narrowed uh, Dana 60? Yeah, that's a good point, Tony, because anytime you get into full width axle, it's whether or not you're going to run full width and, right. and run the full width axles, or are you going to shorten that to fit your Jeep and then have to get into the world of custom axle shafts? All of this adds cost and oh, quite a bit of cost by the end of the project. So if you're thinking of an axle swap, if unless it's a direct swap like a Dana 35 for, you know, an eight and a quarter or, you know, a Dana 44, you know, to, uh, you know, from a eight and a quarter or something like that, you know, there's lots of direct bolt-ins that can get you a good upgrade from what you've had before. However, there's still considerations with that. But if you're going completely custom you know, from a Dana 35 to a Dana 44 and you've got, you know, you're going from a, a leaf sprung to a four link or you just want to put 60s under there. There is so much that goes into that. You may want to start, you know, adding it up and, and getting some stuff on paper to really look at what kind of a project you're getting into. Oh, there's another aspect of doing uh, massive cust customizations like that. When you go into the auto parts store and the guy starts asking you questions about, uh, you know, what kind of axle you're running and, uh, yeah, uh, what, your, what kind of vehicle are you working on? For your well, I'm working on a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> but the axles are under uh, from a 76 Ford. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And there's a uh, minimum tire size as well. Here. I'm finding that out here when, you know, you're working on a Jeep and you're like, okay, this person has an XJ, but they put JK axles on it and you go to the <laughs> to the uh, auto zone or wherever and they're, what kind of Jeep is it, or what kind of vehicle is it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter what kind of vehicle is <laughs> just, it. I need this just part. Just listen I to me. This part. Just yeah, follow this is along. what I'm looking for. <laughs> Trust yeah, me. Absolutely. And speaking of that too, for us with the Ruby, we had the Dana 44s, but we had to go and do the trusses because... Uh, we went to the 37 tire. So with 37s, we had to do that. Plus, my husband installed the TerraFlex to re rebuildable ball joints. And that's made a huge difference in not having anything break. So it's been, it's interesting what you talked about, going bigger or just reinforcing what you already have, which is what we've done. So Now there's We're one other. the trails you go on. There's, well, there's that. I don't think anybody's willing <laughs> uh, to do that too nobody much. Nobody wants but... to do that. <laughs> now, there's I one do. other aspect. I There's do. one other aspect of all of this that, that I haven't really touched on. And, and ultimately, it's called um, moving your weak point. And, and what we're doing here we is we're basically, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're basically just moving the fuse. We're moving the weak point of your drivetrain of your suspension uh, system further down the link. So, you know, you, you beef up your axle shafts by putting chromoly joints in there. Well, the weak link is probably then going to be your gears or possibly your U-joints. Well, let's say you, 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 uh, you get, you know, really high-end gears and you get some, you know, 
$300 U-joints and stuff like that. Okay, well, maybe it might be something else then. Now you might be looking at, um, you know, the actual gears themselves or the drive shaft. Okay, now you beef up the drive shaft. And okay, so now the weak link is somewhere in your transmission or your transfer case. <laughs> you got to be careful about, you know, just how much you are overbuilding your Jeep because there is still going to be a weak point. Where do you want that weak point to be? It's a lot easier to swap out a U-joint than it is a transmission out on the trail. So just think about that. And to keep this in mind, you can put a lot of time and effort and kill all those weak points uh, to infinity, and they won't break as long as you keep going to the mall. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have anything to add, a response to Tony's comment there, maybe you have a question for Tech Talk or a topic you would like for us to cover. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. Hello, Jeep Talk Show. This is Greg, and uh, I am the same Greg that uh, posted on the Facebook group app about the uh, XJ Double Din Radio. And uh, I'm glad you guys uh, were able to get one of those, get it installed. Tony, you said you did that. I'm very happy about that. I saw your pictures on the group me up there and uh, or the uh, Facebook page there, and it looked great. Hope things are going well with your Jeep, and uh, I'm excited to uh, I was able to help you guys out. And uh, just because I want to let you guys know that you guys have helped me out tremendously in my uh, Jeep and uh, the different things that I've had to do on it. So uh, glad I could... Uh, be a little bit of a service there to you guys, but nonetheless, uh, you hope you'll have many years of enjoyment with that double din radio you got there, Tony. It looks great. Have a great week. Well, that's great. Yeah, and it's like the like I mentioned earlier, it's like the holy grail of uh, Jeep Cherokees to actually there's there's space in there if you're willing to do a little cutting uh, to put it in a double din because the uh, the factory radio is a din and a half. And I've always, Josh, I don't know about you, I've always hated the look of a single din radio in that huge spot uh on the on the xj dash you, you gotta you gotta you're talking to a guy who spent a decade in the mobile electronics field and so i've put stereos into places where they probably shouldn't have been so i've i've seen it all man and so no it, it doesn't it's not really that unappealing to me but you're right like a double din does oh, look yeah. better it looks right it does simply look better look i mean for greg uh producing such a wonderful tip for the show and pointing so many jeep lovers in the right direction to finally do to, to have something to, to put a double din into our, you know, 97 to 2001 XJs uh, is just absolutely heaven sent. Tony, I hope we've at least sent Greg a couple of stickers for his trouble uh, because this is some good stuff. And Greg, thank you very much for uh, for thinking of us, for interacting with the show and for listening. Uh, what you, your advice and, and pointing us to that double din dash kit is just absolutely wonderful. I know we've already had a couple people, including Tony, uh, take advantage of that. So, um, and I'm I'm sure as the uh, the weeks and months and years go on, people listening to this episode, that episode uh, in particular, uh, those numbers will go up substantially. So, uh, ladies, uh, I guess you guys don't have this uh, this problem, double din problem that we're uh, we're talking about. Wendy, is the nope. uh, the JK that you guys have? Does it have a, a touch screen on it? No, ours uh, ours does not. Uh, any interest in anything like that in your Jeep? You know, we might we might at some point, but we're we're good with our setup. You know how it is. You kind of start with what you have and you improve here a little of there, but we haven't talked about it. 
since mine's a a daily driver, I, I like the uh, having the uh, the main thing I like is I listen to podcasts a lot. Is the the Bluetooth connectivity, uh, and I can just uh, press uh, play on my phone, and it this magic you know the magic happens and it starts playing through the uh, the stereo. Tammy, as I recall, you weren't all that enthused because I believe you do have a touch screen on yours, don't you? Yeah, I don't use it. Um, I just you know I'm too busy driving, and I have my camera, and you have your phone, and you know, I don't, I don't have a need for it, and I'm just not very, as you know, Tony. I'm not very technically, I'm technically challenged, I should say. So I don't. Yeah. So double din and uh, touchscreen, all those things don't mean anything to you. You're, no. You're more no. interested in the off-road capabilities of your Jeep. Right. I thought you were saying talking about double D, and I'm like, what are they? Oh no! <laughs> okay, so Tony's that, that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So what we're talking about, DIN, D-I-N. Oh no, talk, is, talk about double D. Well, okay, <laughs> uh, is is it's a it's a term referred to the size of a stereo inside the dash, and a and a DIN unit is a essentially a a what you, most people think of as you know a stereo's width it is the typical cd player tape deck we've all seen them for the last 25 years in virtually every dash of every car ever made um, things have gotten you know progressed over the years and din has increased there was din and a half for a little while that gm used in some of their cars mopar used in some of their vehicles and then double din came out as well which was basically two stereos um a stereo that is two stereos tall if right. you will so it was it was oh. double the height of a regular stereo right. uh and, and so that afforded people um things like screens which you could touch and make do things and displays and and video and and all sorts of cool stuff and in the world of multimedia and in infotainment and all the all of that stuff double dins have almost become the industry standard as far as the size of a stereo inside of your dash so um, having a 97 to 2001 Cherokee that came with a DIN and a half sized factory stereo, there was almost zero aftermarket support for a DIN and a half. Pioneer was the only company that made a DIN and a half stereo for the better part of 15 years. Uh, and that model was discontinued uh, back in the early 2000s. So, and, and really nobody has stepped up to fill, fill that void um, other Whatever. than... Other than well, kits that have um, have given you the ability to put uh, a pocket underneath your DIN stereo sized, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I remember um, that, <laughs> and see, just enough to fit a couple of CDs or a, a cell phone or a pen, you know, and that, that was about it. Um, and of course, now we've got uh, what Greg has turned us on to, what Tony's already bought and installed in his Jeep uh, is a dash kit, which enables you to put a double DIN in a in an area where historically one could not go. So, yeah, double-din stereo refers to the size. It is twice the height of a regular standard stereo. Which makes it perfect for touchscreens because, you know, you want more screen size. Although there were uh, single-din uh, radios that had a screen. I don't know if they were touchscreens, but, uh, you know, they actually had the little screens, really small right. screens, yeah, so That's that you right. could do that. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, this kind of gives me a, a more modern uh, entertainment center uh, which I only use to listen to podcasts, but it does do GPS and it's an Android. So basically any, uh, anything that's on the, the Google play store, I can load on this, uh, this Android head unit and, uh, run it. So, uh, that makes it nice. It's, uh, it's like, it's just like having a, uh, in-car computer that you can interact with. It's just like having your phone, but on your dash. That's cool. So really quick here, since that was a listener, I thought this would be a good tie in another listener to the Jeep talk show 
reached out to me and he says, hello, neighbor. I've been listening to you on the Jeep talk show and following your journey to Colorado. And he was originally from Ohio and moved to Salida, Colorado, which is about an hour from us. And he's living the Jeep lifestyle. And he's invited Neil and I to his area to go wheeling with him. And he's a vintage Jeep guy, too. And apparently in Salida in September, they have a vintage flat fender run. Where oh, you can cool. bring your flat. Nice. Yeah. That'll be cool. So, oh, that'll be yeah, fun. So, yeah, I think we're going to head out there. And I just wanted to say, hey, Ron, thanks for listening to the Jeep Talk Show. That is really cool. I hope he uh, uh, shares some pictures of that with us. That'd be a lot of fun to see all those uh, older Jeeps uh, going off-road. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. And this week we're discussing how to get out on the trail. How do you find the trails when you're just starting out? You, you got your new Jeep, and unless you know where the trails are, how do you find them? When we started, we had no idea the names of the trails or clubs or events to search for. I spent hours on Google trying to find the right words to use in searches just to find events. Now, my husband Bill had enough off-road experience to know we couldn't go do extreme off-roading without a buddy, and we really didn't know anyone at that time that was out trailblazing. There isn't just one list of all the events in the country. That would be awesome, but it doesn't exist that I'm aware of. I know a lot of people like to blaze their own trail and not follow any roads, but there are reasons to stay on a designated trail, which I'll cover in a future episode. But for now, here's a list of suggestions on how to get out on the trail. First one is go out with a buddy that knows an area. Use their knowledge to learn trails, routes, etc. This is the easiest and quickest way to learn about trails. But one day, you may want to venture outside your comfort zone and try new areas. Two, pick up a forest map or trail map. Pick up a local OHV and trail maps for your area. Our forestry department here in California has maps of designated trails that, are, that include color-coded difficulty levels. And by the way, if you have maps, they should be on board at all times, so add it to your Jeep gear. Three, you can Google local events. Use search words like Jeep event or off-road event or use your city or area like Big Bear Jeep and see what comes up. This should give you some leads to follow. Our very first event was attended that we attended was sponsored by an off-road group called Cal Four Wheel. Um, they happened to work to keep and preserve the desert trails around here. And I happened to find them because I was searching local Jeep clubs and I found in my search and they were attending and helping. Now this particular event had multiple trails to choose from based on our Jeep setup. And back then we were so brand new we had to ask what the trail designations one through five meant. Hey, that's how you learn. Everyone was so helpful, we ended up on a medium trail and we were hooked. Number four, look up event organizers in your area. We have a club called Corva out here, California Off-Road Vehicle Association for us in California, and they're huge. They work to keep our trails open to off-roading. Their events can be one or two days, and you can choose the trail you want to try based on your Jeep setup and experience. Now, a little side note, a lot of these events will have a checklist of basic equipment that you need to have in your Jeep in order to participate. If you need to, check out our episode last week, episode 426, for my basic list that kind of gets you started. Number five, look up Jeep clubs. Search using your city and Jeep clubs or 4x4 clubs. Most clubs have some requirements to join, but it's only to make sure that the members actually get out on trails and use their Jeeps. Now, a lot of those clubs allow non-members to join on runs. That's how they can get new members. 
Early on, we met with a club out of our area and got to do a very difficult trail at that time that today is a regular trail for us. We got to experience with others sharing their knowledge. Clubs do offer valuable resources and information, and we'll be discussing that option in a future episode. Number six, look for out-of-state runs. This might include a camping trip with your Jeep or camper or staying in a hotel, but it could be an option if your area doesn't have great trails. Living here in Big Bear, we are so fortunate to have destination trails, we don't need to go anywhere else. However, we do find ourselves exploring other areas off the mountain, and it offers a change of scenery and obstacles as well. And the seventh one is rent a Jeep. If you don't have a Jeep yet, but you want to get out on the trails, you can rent a Jeep. Some cities may have Jeep rentals like we do in Big Bear with the Jeep experience. You get to drive a Jeep following a guide, and it's a great way to learn about the trails, the area, and you get to explore while driving. So when you get your Jeep, you know where to go. Now, I hope I gave you some suggestions on how to find the trails and get out and explore this beautiful country. And now, as usual for this segment, we want to hear Josh's first Jeep experience. Oh, boy, this is going to take us back a little ways. <laughs> My I first Jeep experience actually goes back to uh, before I even had a license to drive, in fact. Uh, wow. My my grandfather uh, used to own a, a Jeep dealership way back in the day, and um, uh, he would bring home Jeeps. And, and his favorite Jeep to drive back then was the Wagoneer. Uh, and, and so he would, there was probably two or three, I think he had in rotation, um, while he was a, uh, while he, while he was, uh, while he uh, worked at this dealership. And, um, and so I was maybe five or six years old when I got to drive my first Jeep and we were on our way up towards, uh, Mount Hood at the time. We were driving up the, uh, uh, the historic highway up there, uh, heading up, uh, I think it's 26, highway 26, um, uh, up through, you know, Portland and out up into, uh, towards Mount Hood. And uh, I think we had pulled over for some snacks or, you know, something like that. And, uh, and it was my turn to drive. And it was, you know, hop up, hop up on my lap, grab the wheel. And, you know, of course, there was no touching the pedals at that point in time. And then it was just no. a matter of me keeping it between the lines. That's all it was. But oh. that, that's where it all started for me. That was, you know, behind the wheel, uh, a six-year-old kid um, who just had a love for things like cars and trucks and automobiles and, and that sort of thing. And here I am driving this big Jeep, you know, and, and it was just an experience that still to this day has stuck with me. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And, mm -hmm. and it's just one of my most fondest memories of all. And it just so happens to be a Jeep memory. That is such a great memory, too, to have. I love that story. That's awesome. Thanks. Ooh. All right. Well, next week, we'll continue sharing newbie ideas, and then we get to hear Tammy's first Jeep experience. You can also view some great videos on our YouTube channel, Jeep 4-1-1, with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. So I have a link to the uh, YouTube uh, Jeep 4-1-1 uh, channel in our show notes at jeeptalkshow.com. So are you a newbie or maybe you remember something important you learned when you first became a Jeeper? We want to hear from you. Reach out and let me know your newbie story. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out all the ways to contact us. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I got a few questions for you guys. Maybe you could address it in a... Uh -oh. later show or maybe uh, some people can call in and give advice or whatever but uh, I have a friend of mine yeah I know Nikki G has a friend and <laughs> I took him out wheeling last year for the first time and uh, he got bit by the wheeling bug 
pretty bad. He's got a uh, newer Grand Cherokee WK2. And so he took it on some light trails and he decided that he didn't want to scratch it up and ding it up. And so he uh, went out and bought a 1996 XJ Jeep Cherokee Red. Uh, it's the clone of mine. Other than uh, it was making an awful knocking noise when he bought it. He was able to get it cheap because it needed a, the owner said it needed a transmission. And uh, we looked underneath it and there was a big hole in the uh, transfer case. So uh, we're in the mar he's in the market for a transfer case and we're talking about the uh, different options he has. And uh, what's the difference between the 231 transfer case and uh, I'm not sure what the other one is. It has full-time drive. I think it's 242 or something like that. Yep. And uh, I suggested he spends the coin for an Atlas, but <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you don't want to put a $2,300 transfer case in a $600 vehicle. Why not? But anyhow, uh, that's <laughs> not really why I'm calling. The big question I have is, is it okay to park your vehicle in front of a fire hydrant if it's on fire? And uh, I need the answer to that pretty quick. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. If it has, if it has an atlas in it, absolutely. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. I need it. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Oh my gosh, that sounded exactly like Tony and Josh when we had LT Right Knives on um, as sponsors. They both were like, oh my God, I got to have that knife. And I remember like, I don't, I just don't get it. I just, I told Tony and Josh, I go, I don't get your fascination with these knives. And why was a knife company advertising on a Jeep podcast? Well, last fall, I finally got it and I realized the importance of a good quality knife and the connection with Jeeps. How, how many or, times have Josh and I told you, just trust us? I know, I know. <laughs> you know, People would I, just I'm like, do what I say. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like a teenage kid, you know, like, oh, I know better than you guys. I'm not going to listen to you. Well, um, like I said last fall, I finally realized the importance of a good quality knife. So, so if you guys I have, have a question oh, for you, Tammy. Yep. On on your knife, how how big is it or long? Is it fold? Just give me a description yeah, of what you're carrying. Yeah, does it have a name or something? I mean, if somebody were to go to ltrightknives.com and check it out for themselves, what would they be looking for if they wanted a knife just like Jeep Mama? Um, well, my knife, I think it was so unique. I couldn't find it on their website anymore. I think they might have discontinued mine, but the Bushwhacker is there. And they're just like a, they don't fold or anything. And they have okay. leather sheaths you could get with them. Um, but my camp muck, my little knife is maybe the blade's about four inches. Okay. Um, and these are good hunting knives too. So if you're a hunter and you need to skin that deer or fillet that fish, all these knives work with that as well. But there's a whole bunch of different designs on their website and if you have a question about it i mean you can call um we'll give you all the information you need and they'll help you purchase the kind of knife that you need
So, I thought I would tell everybody, uh, you know, Josh often uh, says, uh, join us on the Camp Fireside chat, which is kind of a, a misnomer since you can't actually join us around the campfire. Well, we're trying out something new starting next week where you will actually be able to join us and talk and uh, j- actually join in in the conversation. So, look for some information on uh, jeeptalkshow.com and on the Jeep Talk Show group and uh, Facebook pages about how you can join us and literally, well, virtually, be here with us on the Campfire Side Chat. I figured if I just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again, it would eventually come true. So, <laughs> And you were correct. <laughs> finally put, a, put something in there for our listeners to join in on the fun with. So. so, Josh, we were talking about axles and C's and all the rest of that stuff, trusses, and uh, all these things that actually ha- happen to older people uh, whenever they have uh, things start breaking, <laughs> as this come to think of it. Um, but, uh, the, uh, you know, I noticed that, uh, our, our buddy Iron Man Andy over at IronManFab, uh, 4x4.com, uh, was, uh, welding some C's on a Dana 30, I believe, uh, on their Facebook page. I don't know if that means that, uh, IronMan4x4Fab.com is, is going to be having the, uh, the C's available, uh, for the Dana 30s, but that's kind of how it starts over there. They go, well, we try this and then all of a sudden they have it yeah available. <laughs> exactly i was gonna say that's kind of their mo over there yeah, yeah ironman 4x4fab.com is a great place to go for a bunch of jeep upgrades they are constantly doing some really amazing stuff over there and this is kind of how they do it they kind of throw this teaser out there hey look what we're doing with really no details whatsoever and it's just like yeah look what we created look what we're working on and and it's like oh yeah, that's cool. I want that. Yeah, how and do of I course, get every, that? <laughs> yeah, everybody wants that. Everybody wants to know how to get it. And, of course, they spend a couple months out on the trails testing it. And uh, lo and behold, we'll find it out on the website for you know for any Jeeper to buy uh, in a couple of months. I'm thinking the same thing yeah. is going to happen with this. The the uh, th- This is such a common upgrade, and it's so easy to do with virtually any welder out there. That, uh, I mean, as long as you can take your Jeep to an exhaust shop, I mean, they'll, hell, they'll probably do it for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, anybody with a welder can do these kinds of upgrades to their axles, uh, relatively easy and welding the C's on isn't as, uh, intensive and, um, you know, sk- skill orientated as doing like a truss install would be much less, uh, things that you got to worry about, uh, and things that you got to take into consideration. So cool to see that Ironman4x4fab.com is working on some other stuff. Uh, like, you know, some axle upgrades. Really cool. So whenever you're going to weld the C's, you don't have to remove the ball joints. I'm, I'm wondering that because of the, you know, the, the nature of the grease and everything that's inside there that doesn't, uh, cause you actually actually have to heat that metal up before you can weld the C to the, uh, uh, to the C, right? I mean the, there, uh, the gusset to the C. There are tricks involving things like wet rags and towels and things like that to keep the heat focused to a certain area and not bleed over too much uh, into other areas. Yes, you're likely going to get those ball joints a little hot. Yes, the rubber might deform a little bit. Yes, you might smoke the grease a little bit. Uh, Would it be a good uh, idea to do this while you're changing out ball joints? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things we, we, we joke about it all the time, but sort of while you're in there, it's the common joke amongst a lot of Jeepers that, well, while you're in there doing this one thing, you might as well do these other three or four things too, because it's going to be a lot easier and more cost effective to do it while you're doing this other thing than if you were to do it later on down the road. 
uh, again, while you're in there, you might as well. So this is one of those things where while you're in there replacing your your uh, ball joints, you might as well go ahead and weld these seas on. It's going to uh, weld the uh, uh, weld up the gussets to the seas. It couldn't be uh, couldn't be easier providing you've got the equipment. So do you have any heat issues with uh, whenever you're sleeving an axle? Uh, that uh, yeah, I think you you probably have to take off. Uh, I don't think it really uh, requires anything being taken off as far as the ball joints removed or anything because you're just sliding a uh, a tube just inside the the axle. But are those plug welds that you do to uh, actually get the the sleeve actually welded into the tube? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Where some of these kits require you to actually drill through your right. your axle tubes, and 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 that's exactly what that's for is for plug welds. And usually it's only required in a, in a couple, you know, maybe two or three locations at most. Um, and it's, you know, drilling something like a half inch hole or something along those lines uh, through the axle tube so that when the sleeve is pressed in, you can actually weld the sleeve to the tube through that hole. And then there's almost every single one of them have a tapered end. That tapered end faces outwards. That taper creates a little bit of a channel for you to weld the end of it to the axle tube itself on the end. And and so you're welding you're you're welding the tube into the you're welding the tube into the tube uh, in several <laughs> in several areas one oh, one continuous ring around the edge um, on the end and then probably two or three through plug welds um, along the length of the axle tube itself. Well, you say tube in a tube, and actually that's that's a a very good uh, a visual because that's literally what you're doing is in a portion of the tube you're effectively making it a lot thicker and, and enhancing the strength. In, ca- in case Absolutely. people didn't understand what the sleeving does, yeah, that's 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 essentially right, Tony. You're you're basically sliding a, a tube inside of another tube, but the the fit is so close and so tight. What you're essentially doing is increasing the wall thickness of your axle tube substantially, sometimes by a quarter inch or more. So um, this is what we're talking about: a serious, serious upgrade to strength to the axle tube itself. Now again, that's not going to do a whole lot for deflection or against uh, uh, um, against hyperflexion things like that. Uh, but it is going to reduce it to a certain extent, just not as much as a truss would. And of course, the yeah, I was just going to say, and that's that's the reason for a truss is because now you're uh, doing something similar, except now you're uh, keeping the 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 link, the entire length for the most part of the axle from from bending under under stresses. Right. Not just bending unto itself, but bending in relation to a degree to the actual pumpkin or the you know the differential itself. Well, I mean, I've I've actually seen axle tubes that have been def- permanently deflected. They came down too hard, they they jumped their Jeep, you know, <laughs> that that sort of thing and and one side of the axle is up a little bit and you can actually see the angle from that tube go right. up a little bit from the housing. So, yeah, and that's that's a very very bad bad situation to be in. That is an axle that is that is likely going to be on the verge of complete failure. Not something that I would trust driving down the freeway, certainly not on any kind of a road trip. Yeah, it's good for when your dog smiles at you. It's not good when your Jeep is smiling at you. No, whether it's the track bar, whether it's your axle tubes. Yeah, things are supposed to be straight. Wendy, have you guys made any modifications to the axles uh, on your Jeep? Actually, I think you did say that you made some uh, on, made some to the Daniel 44 to run larger tires. Yeah, we had to strengthen and do, um, gosh, what did he do? Uh, welded the top of the differential, did the C gussets for the ends of the axles, and then we also had to do the uh, ball joints so that we're not constantly replacing those. So. Oh, that's We've right. You some. said you said TerraFlex rebuildable, rebuild that rebuildable. Yeah, rebuildable ball joints. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. those are like those are like two hundred and fifty bucks a piece, though, yeah, aren't they? They really are high expensive. I don't those, know. Those are expensive. I don't really want to know. Oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, you, right. You just you don't. You just ratted Bill out, Josh. Oops. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> no, but but you're you're right. These are essentially the last ball would ever buy uh, for your mm-hmm. Jeep, and it's one of those things. Uh, you know, you've heard the old adage: you get what you pay for. Uh, That's right. And this is certainly one of those areas where it has never been more true. Um, if you buy the cheapest ball joint you buy, it's going to perform like the cheapest ball joint you can buy, and you're going to be replacing it again probably very soon, uh, at least a yeah, lot sooner than, than you I would anticipate. I think we have uh, close to 25,000 miles on those right now. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so and, Tammy, you have And we go made... off-road a lot, so and we use it as a daily driver. So, Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, I like daily driving Jeeps. I don't understand why people can have a, sorry, Josh, a Honda or a VW or something and roll around on that during the day. Of course, I don't drive as far as you do. Um, I but, was going to uh, say, if you have a 40-mile <laughs> commute one way. Still, still, I, would, I, just, I just love being in my Jeep. So, Tammy, uh, you don't have any, uh, you haven't had any modifications done to your axle. I think you recently had um, uh, some warranty work done on it, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did, and I don't remember... I mean, I got new ball joints. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember it was right before the trip. It was the Synergy ones. And I think both you and Josh were saying, oh, no, don't get those. And Oh, absolutely even, not. <laughs> I think, and actually, um, Jeff from Adrenaline Off-Road said the same thing. And um, Again, not listening to us. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it was really, really hard. And Neil hated it because... And Synergy did say it takes a while for them to break in, and it was some of the um, trip, it was really hard to drive um, because the Jeep was just all over the place, but now it's like, it's totally fine. So, um, do you have any up? Uh, do you have any plans to upgrade uh, the axle? Uh, and I understand right now it's not re- necessarily a good time financially, but something right. in the back of your mind, are you, are you planning any upgrades to your axle? Um. You know, like we were saying earlier, everyone is like, oh, they want to do bigger and better trails. I'm like so happy with getting out and doing the, like here in Colorado, some of the trails I was on, they're like super easy. A stock vehicle could do it. And the scenery is so amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm like really, really satisfied with just doing those easy trails out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, I don't feel the need to upgrade at this time. No, that's fine. Um, it, we, we, yeah. it seems like Jeepers are very often thinking about, you know, the, the future. The, my Instead of uh, where do I see myself in five years, it's uh, where do, what kind of Jeep mods do I see in five right. years? So, and uh, I, I was will curious. say I was that way until this trip, this last trip. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, my God, I got to, you know, I got to have 37s. I got to have this. I got to have that. But, you know, now for me, it's I want to explore all these off-the-beaten-path places. Um, and so many of these places are super easy trails out in the middle of nowhere. And I have the, the Moab book um, with all the trails. There's like 80 trails. Oh, and there yeah. are s- so many easy, easy trails that take you to see some spectacular views. And that's what I want to do. Well, I hope you're making good use of that background in your uh, YouTube videos, Tammy. Uh, take a moment to to pan around and let everybody see, because not everybody has uh, seen the uh, right. the scenery there. I learned yeah. that uh, by going up to the Big Bear Lake uh, 
uh, California. Good Lord, it was hard oh, to pay attention God. because it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. I know. It is. And I think now that there's two of us, but actually we're going to have two Jeeps, but I, I need to do more of that, just stopping and getting out and showing the edges and how far down it is or oh, the beautiful yeah. mountain range. Yeah. So um, I, I, I need to be more cog- cognizant of that. So you guys, so people watching can see why I'm freaking out. Look at how close our Jeep is to this 2,000-foot cliff. Look how close I am right. to dying. Look how fast oh, I'm look. getting back in this Jeep. There goes Timmy rolling wow. down the hill. Wow, the ground is yeah. coming up really fast. Right, exactly. Oops, I should have been paying attention to driving instead of videotaping. But, but Tammy, if that happens, remember, don't do like all the, the, the YouTube videos and the, the videos that you see on Facebook where the action starts happening and the, the person with the camera or their phone points it down at the ground. Be yeah, honest. I know. You're gonna die anyway. Keep Let's the shot the framed. <laughs> I will try to remember that, on. Tony. <laughs> Chances are good that it won't damage the memory card, so you'll have something for the rest of us to see. See, this is the kind of stuff we need to be teaching in schools. Not all this, <laughs> you know, STEM crap. This, you know, science, no, technology, you need to turn the damn phone for videos. And you yeah, need to turn keep the phone sideways. The image framed. And if you're about to die, just keep the phone steady. That see. <laughs> Same thing like the guy that drove over the top of the roof in exactly. Santa Monica and hit Mickey D's. Come on Oh, now. God. I keep hope he rolling. had a dash cam. I really hope he had a dash cam. And, and sometime in the future, we're going to see, see you know, this. It's going to come out. You know it. It just dawned on me. Nikki, uh, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey D's and Nikki G's? Is there a relation there? Oh, boy. Yeah, except one burger you definitely don't want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Air but I hear Nikki Air G's biscuit. got a good barbecue. I don't know. Well, like we always say, it's time to join in on the campfireside chat. We'd sure love to have you. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us. Hey, good morning, JTS. It's uh, Robbie from West Virginia. <laughs> I finished a cup of coffee. I'm doing better now. Anyway, uh, the JK saved my wife's life. The JL saved mine. Uh, love the Jeeps. Love your show. Welcome back, Tammy. Welcome, Wendy. Uh, Tony and Josh, uh, you guys are doing great. Keep up the good work. All of four of you are doing great. Thank you. Anyway, um, you got the JL. Uh, we got the, uh, the little turbo on it. I probably get about 40% better gas mileage than the wow. JK. Um, <laughs> that's impressive. I don't see any rocks. I don't see impressive. any major, uh, obstacles out in the woods, but I do take it does go off road. It's primarily just uh woods and mud. But uh no big deal there. Anyway, keep up the good work. And uh gotta love these Jeeps. Looking at getting maybe possibly talking about getting another one. Uh in addition to this one. I sold the JK. Like you said, I wish I wouldn't have it, it was my first one. But anyway, um let's go heading into our third Jeep here pretty soon. Talk to you later. Hi <laughs> Hang on a second. Hi, I'm Robin, and I've got a G problem. I can't get enough. <laughs> and everybody goes, hi, Robin. <laughs> hi, Robin. You know, it's interesting. He was talking about a 40% better uh, gas mileage on the yeah. JL. i got to check the, the math the, on the, this. The JK. I don't know about that. Now, he's talking about, you know, he's got the, uh, I think, the four-banger with the turbo on there. It's actually decent numbers on that uh, on, on that setup. But there's actually something that I saw literally right before we uh, were recording the show uh, that popped up into my news feed uh, that the, the, the JL now has an aftermarket option that you can get. And if you have an extra $6,600, you can get 
an actual intercooled supercharger system bolt on for your brand spanking new JL truck. So, wow. and this is supposed to increase your horsepower by a 40 to 45% margin and putting you in the near 500 horsepower range by bolting on this $6,500 kit. So, yeah, uh, 60, anywhere from $57 to $6,600, depending on how much boost you want, uh, how much horsepower gain you want, uh, etc. There is already a Pro Charger, Supercharger system, and tuner kit out there for the JL that can get you knocking on the door of 500 horsepower for the 3.6 liter engine. Uh, so, yeah. If you're out there considering the four banger and worried about horsepower, maybe spring for that six and uh, uh, come up with an extra sixty five hundred bucks. Just put a Hellcat <laughs> Turn your JL in there. into a super truck. Wow. <laughs> I wonder how much a Hellcat engine is. It's it's probably pricey. You think? But that's in the neighborhood of seven hundred horsepower, and that's exactly. you know, y- yes, you, you're going to have to spend another ten grand putting that thing in. Not to mention purchasing the motor to begin with. So with a direct bolt-on kit for about half the price to get you, well, two-thirds of the way to that kind of horsepower, not a bad option. I was actually looking at some of the numbers. Um, They were doing a a full breakdown in an actual power-to-weight ratio comparison on the JL to the the JK Um, and and, and the weight difference and how much horsepower difference and and everything. They went to a head-to-head across the board on virtually everything and brought it down to an actual percentage number. And I, and I think it's like a 14% power loss uh, with the JT over the JK just because of it's the same motor, but the truck is like right. 500 pounds heavier. And, and it's just that, that much uh, is enough to throw the power-to-weight ratio off where it's 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 really it's a bit of a loss on that so uh the aftermarket is stepping in if you got a jl if you think it's a little bit gutless well if you got 6500 bucks you can change that real easy i got really excited there when you said the head-to-head comparison between the uh, the jk and i was hoping you were going to say uh the uh f-18 hornet because that oh, now yeah. we're talking about some <laughs> some thrust some really some power there so yeah you know 700 horsepower naturally aspirated I will take over anything supercharged or turbo or anything else because that means you can add turbo or supercharged to that 700. Uh, I, I just yeah. I just like go fast. That's one of the reasons why I'm and uh, why I got into trucks and then Jeeps. So <laughs> I don't need I don't need the horsepower, but I still like it. There there was a I was on my way home from work today. There was an uh, an SRT Challenger uh, in front of me, and um, this guy was uh, apparently very very uh, d- d- just had no patience. Yeah, uh, because he, he it was oh completely aggressive just rah, on the brakes rah, on the brakes rah, on the brakes and <laughs> i was following this guy just because i was loving his exhaust notes and i was like i don't care how much of a douchebag you're being right now i'm just loving the sound of your motor so i'm going to tell exactly. you this whole way <laughs> that's one of the reasons why i like being fully armored uh because it's like dude it's not going to bother me at all because you're going to have trash and i want to go drive home I think this is a perfect day to take the top off. Now, oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Howdy, Jeeper. Mitch here. Today is the 6th of March, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Alright listener, I was searching for places to go topless this weekend. 
Then I remembered that tonight is the SpaceX Falcon 9 Commercial Resupply Service 20 launched to the International Space Station from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station on their Slick 40 pad. So, this week's Jeep weather will go to important space ground sites. This weekend, especially tonight, go topless and watch the launch. Cape Canaveral, Florida will be mostly cloudy with 70 today, 62 tomorrow, and 71 on Sunday. Another popular launch site is Vandenberg Air Force Base, California, just outside the coast town of Lompoc. But plenty of opportunities to go topless and cruise at comfortable temperatures. Today will be cloudy and 58, tomorrow will be maybe rainy and 58, and Sunday will be 60 with clouds. Next is the first ever purpose-built commercial spaceport. Out near Truth and Consequences, New Mexico, and U.S. Army's White Sands Missile Range is Spaceport America. Out there will be some good topless jeeping weather. Today will be 66, tomorrow 73, and Sunday, some rain at 64 degrees. Lastly, let's take that top off and jeep around the NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Getting cloudier throughout the weekend, with today being 71, tomorrow 64, and Sunday, 72 degrees. Don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on social media. Also, don't forget to tag at GTOP Show and me for us to see those jeeping topless pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, then find me on Instagram at Jeep Out West or go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. You know, the Jeep weather is going to be getting uh, much nicer here in the next uh, few months. And I guess it really depends on what part of the, uh, the country you're in. Uh, it could be getting nicer now. I don't know, but I think Mitch is trying to get me shot. I, Vanderburg Air Force Base, uh, the you know, U.S. Army White Sand Missile Range, I'm oh. NASA, Johnson Space Center. I mean, come on, you're killing me here, man. He's <laughs> aiming for you. <laughs> yeah, really, though. Missing wheeling wear? Well, don't worry. We still have it. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com and look at the show notes for episode 427 and see all the great places that you can go to these great events around the country. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure you're a friend of us and you are following us anywhere you can find the Jeep Talk Show online. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Sometimes it's like, you're not even listening. I say, hello? Is this thing even on? Excuse me? Have I anybody there? Are you there? Podcasting since 2010. Did you know there's more Jeep Talk Show that you're missing? To get it, just load the Jeep Talk Show app on your smartphone or tablet.